0: Thank you so much, ladies. Wasn't that beautiful? It's just lovely, and it is an absolute privilege and a joy to be uh, involved with the Charge Keepers. Um, I guess I'm looking at tonight as kind of like a, a super-sized Charge Keeper service, so <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's lovely to be here. And um, thank you, Pastor, for giving us the opportunity to do this. It was a pleasure to uh, to actually come in and do this. Thank you, of course, to Barb and the orchestra, and uh, also to uh, Rod, uh, who did the Bible reading tonight. So thank you so much, everyone, for who's, who's participated. Um, it really uh, has been a, a while that uh, we've known about this, and uh, I believe that the Lord really laid on my heart uh, a specific message for tonight. And... Uh, It actually came, the actual beginning of the message came right back when Julie and I were actually over in the United States and, uh, just see if this works, make sure we get, there we did, there we go. And uh, it was actually in relation to when we were going through New Orleans, Uh, I hope I pronounced that correctly, Um, we we actually stopped in at the French Quarter and of course we stayed overnight there and then we went uh, around, had a bit of a look around, but then we came across a cafe and that's, we had a, a couple of things from the cafe, but we saw this sign, and it says, if God is not the captain of your ship, then you have just boarded the Titanic. Whoa. That speaks volumes, that sign. And uh, when I actually saw that, I, uh, I thought to myself, wow, how true that sign is, because without Christ in our lives, we really are on the Titanic. We're, we're heading for disaster. Um, and <clears throat> looking at the sign... Uh, I thought to myself, well, you know, the master, who is the master of your own ship? Who is, you know, you can set your own course, you can arrive at the destination you desire. This is what the world tells us. They say, you're your own master. You can do anything that you want. Nothing can stop you if you set your mind to it. That's what the world tells us. You're the one in control. And I was just flicking through a couple of the images on the computer this afternoon looking at the amount of images that actually say you are the one in control of your own destiny. How, you know, how incredible is that? That, that? That's the way the world thinks. After seeing the signs, the, the sign though, I, I sort of asked myself some questions. And uh, questions like, who was in control of the ship? Where and what was the passenger's faith in? when they actually boarded the ship and what stopped the titanic in its weight how can we how can we relate what happened to the titanic and the, the to bible teaching and our lives today now one thing i'm i'm going to make no apologies i do use uh, a complete set of notes here um so uh, please bear with me as uh, as i go through this um so i guess we have to ask ourselves who built the titanic And uh, if we just go to the next slide, the Titanic itself was built by Harland and Wolfe in Belfast shipbuilding yards. So for all you young guys who are interested in engineering, uh, the owners were the White Star Line. And in 1912, there were something like 14,000 workers employed by Harland and Wolfe at the time. And, uh, but the interesting thing was that only 20% of those workers were actually used in the building of the Titanic. Around about 3,000 men were employed in actually building that, sh- that ship. From keel to launch, to, uh, the building time of the Titanic was approximately 26 months. Um, and uh, if we look at some of the basic statistics about the actual ship itself, oops, sorry, go the right way. Just flick forward. The The ship was 882 feet long, um, and that's around about 268 metres. It had a beam of 92.5 feet or 28 metres. Its height was 60.5 feet from the waterline to the boat deck, so if you were actually standing on the dock you were looking up like this kind of thing to to the actual boat deck, Um, and it was 175 feet from keel to the top of the tunnels. The gross tonnage was around about 46,328 tonnes. Its fuel capacity, now for some of you young guys, it actually carried 6,611 tonnes of coal on the actual ship to do the journey that it was actually about to take place. Each smokestack tunnel extended above the boilers around about 150 feet and weighed 60 tonnes. So, one of those boilers, each one of those smokestacks weighed 60 tonnes each, which is uh, quite incredible. Now, the lifeboat capacity, of course, uh, only had 1,100, was capable of catering for 1,178 persons. However, the total capacity of passengers on the ship was 3,547. So, quite a lot. Um, Now, the reason why they only had that many lifeboats was because the confidence was so high. That the owners and the builders literally rejected any call to have any more lifeboats. They, it actually had capacity to take 64 lifeboats, but the owners and the builders literally rejected that call. The number of lifeboats that the actual ship had, which was 20, did exceed the number of uh, go- the actual government standards. And the boats would only accommodate about a half, but they would only accommodate about a half of the 2,228 people that were on board that particular ship. Now it had watertight compartments, but the watertight compartments only went up to F deck, and these compartments themselves uh, were not sealed at the top. So we'll just flick through uh, a couple of more slides here, and of course that gives you another a view of the Titanic. And uh, these particular uh, compartments, they actually were seal- were not sealed right at the very top. So. Uh, As a result of that, the water could actually spill over into the bulkhead and and, uh, we'll see later on that that was one of the key factors in the actual sinking of the ship. There was three million rivets used in the actual ship itself. So if you were actually building and you were one of the rivet guys, you would have been doing a lot of work uh, on this particular ship. Uh, The cost of construction was around about £1,500,000 at the time, which in today's money is equivalent to around about $166 million. So quite an expensive ship itself. So the question has to be asked, why did the Titanic sink? And some people uh, would say that there were a number of different things that were involved. One, of course, was the unwillingness to heed all warnings. And uh, we know that the radio operator on the Titanic uh, did not heed the warnings of other ships. There were many other ships that actually told them about the icebergs, but the radio operator didn't, didn't uh, adhere to those warnings. Now, what, how we can actually relate that, of course, the Bible gives us lots of warnings, doesn't it not? It gives us lots of warnings about dangers and, and so on. In the Old Testament, peop- the, the people in the cities would be warned of imminent danger. Uh, Were they not when they were given the opportunity to act on that warning as well? We remember uh, a passage like Ezekiel chapter 34, 33, I should say, uh, verses 4 and 5, which literally says, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning. His blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. The captain listened to the second reason was the captain listened to the call of the ship's owner, and powered full steam ahead uh, through the cold icy waters, six hundred and forty kilometers from their destination. Now we know that today many people ignore God's warnings uh, at our own peril especially when we get close to eternity in our old age. And the Bible tells us in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And, of course, the, the thing is that we can be going all the way through life and we can think that we know, you know we, we're doing okay and everything's going well. Uh, but the problem, of course, is that you know, we... Uh, uh, our hearts are that which can deceive us. The third thing that uh, many people believe actually sunk the Titanic was a substandard structure and foundation for the journey. And of course, I, when I, was, I thought about this, and I remembered uh, something I preached on a little while ago, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 to 13, uh, we might remember that that talks about the foundation uh, that no man can lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. We can, the, the only foundation we can lay, which is, a, is the right foundation, is that of Jesus Christ. But I think there was a fourth reason, possibly, why the, si- the ship sank. Now, prior to the actual ship leaving the dock, uh, one of the White Star employee, uh, uh, employees of the time actually made this statement, and he made it very boldly. He stood on the dock and he said... Not even God himself could sink this ship. Dangerous, dangerous words for anyone to say, whether it be the captain or whether it be one of the White Star employees themselves. So what I'd like you to do, if you've got your Bibles there, could you please turn with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 8 and verse 22. Now, while we're turning there, uh, I just want to share with you that uh, why I believe that the Lord had laid this on my heart, uh, you know, for tonight, um, because without Jesus, literally without Jesus as the Master and the Captain of your life, uh, like a ship which is heading for disaster, like the sign that showed at the beginning, which said, "God, you know, if God is not the Captain of your ship, then you have boarded the Titanic." Without Christ in our lives, we are literally heading for disaster. So, if we could. Uh, Go to that passage, and we're just going to uh, read uh, chapter 8, Luke's Gospel, uh, chapter 8 verses... Oh, did I... I'll just double-check. Sorry. Just make sure I've got that correct. Luke 18. I do apologise, folks. It's Luke, Luke 18. I've got a little bit of what we call dry mouth syndrome. I might just have a little water. Luke chapter 18, and we're going to read from verses 22 to 25. Now, when Jesus heard these things, he said, uh, oh, hang on. It is eight. Oh, I'm so sorry. I've, I've done, I do apologise. Oh, dear. It is eight. Because what I'm thinking of, you know the passage I'm talking about. It's, it's the actual passage uh, with regards to when uh, Jesus was in the boat with the disciples. That's the one. Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into the ship with his disciples, and he said unto them, let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. But as, he, as they sailed, he fell asleep, and there came a sto- down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, We perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Okay. Now, when we're talking with people about the Lord... You've probably heard people say things like, well, I'm okay, it's all right, um, thus, I've, I've done okay thus far, why do I need Christ in my life? Who's ever heard, heard that? Put up your hand if you've, if you've heard people say that to you. But some people might say, surely with all that I have done and all that I have achieved, I will be okay. But what about all the good things that I've done? Surely they must outweigh the bad How many times have we heard that? Or you may have heard people say, I was baptised as a child and been in church all my life. Surely God can't reject me. For many of these people, life might be going along so smoothly, they're travelling along thinking all is well. Now it's interesting, I'm sure that when the disciples got into the boat with Jesus... And they, they, hearing the instructions that he said, let us go unto the other side, they had no concept whatsoever of what was about to befall them. Would we agree? When they saw Jesus lay down in the ship and fall asleep, the disciples even then had no inkling as to what kind of storm was about to come upon them. After all, when they got into the ship what was the weather like? It was probably quite fine. There was no problems. There might have been a little bit of cloud in the sky and uh, and so on and everything would have looked perfectly fine. The thought of a windstorm and the nature of it that they experienced and their lives being in peril on the open sea would not have even crossed their minds at that particular time when they launched forth that day with Jesus in the ship. Now, the same, no doubt, could be said for the 2,227 passengers and crew of the Titanic when they too set sail on April the 10th, 1912 from Southampton heading to New York on Titanic's maiden voyage. It is well known and it's well documented that the passengers on the Titanic including some of the were included some of the wealthiest and the most prestigious people at the time. Captain John, uh, John Edwards, uh, Edward John Smith was one of the most experienced shipmasters on the Atlantic It was believed, of no doubt, by the passengers at the time that the ship was one of the largest moving objects ever built, complete with the ultimate in turn of the century design and technology and and they commented about the designer as nearly, it was commented on by the designer as nearly unsinkable. Now the way the passengers were thinking, they were actually starting to, this was going through their mind and they were starting to think that, remember, that with, in conjunction with the statement from the White Star Line employee, they were starting to think, no, this ship could never be sunk. We'll, we'll get on the ship, we're going to get to our destination. On the passengers' mind at the time of the Titanic's launch would have been the thoughts of a romantic voyage on the latest luxury ship in the White Star Line. We'll just move forward a little bit. Um, Many would have been looking forward to the journey in their first class parlour suite, which back then cost around £870. The equivalent today would have been at least £32,000 or $52,000. So they would have been thinking about all these things. Others travelling on the Titanic would have been thinking that just in a few days they would arrive in America, the new land they would call home, and they would be thinking of the opportunity this trip would afford them of visiting their loved ones who had already made the journey before. Any thought of impending disaster, or worse still, that they, in a brief space of time, would be ushered into eternity, would have been something inconceivable to them. Put yourself in their shoes. If you were getting on the Titanic, say you were there in 1912, and you were getting on the Titanic at that particular time, would you think that in four days' time you were going to be ushered into eternity? No. That's right. It didn't cross their mind how wrong they were. What was about to happen was about to show very clearly that man literally has no control whatsoever over their ultimate future and when they will leave this world and enter into eternity. But let's go back to the passage that we were reading. In verse 22 we read now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples. Luke is telling us here that the regular in the regular course of events Jesus and his disciples were continuing to do what they were going what they were doing together. If we go back to verse 1 of chapter 8 Um, we can actually see there uh, where it says, and it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God and the twelve were with him. So what they were doing, in the normal course of events, what they did was just in the normal course of events, they got into this boat. And of course, uh, the question has to be asked, what was the purpose for them getting into the boat? Uh, At first reading of the verse... It would appear that the purpose was merely simply to get to the other side and continue their work. I looked, had a look at Matthew Henry's comment on this, and it was rather interesting. He said, "With regards to this particular incident, Christ ordered his disciples to put to sea, that he might show his glory upon the water, stilling the stilling the waves." Jesus would show here that he is Lord of all creation, including the wind and the waves, and that there is no need to fear when he is the master of the ship. Contrast this, however, to the blasphemous and arrogant statement of not even God could sink this ship that was uttered by the crew member of the Titanic. Think about that for that statement for a moment, the humanistic arrogance that's behind a statement like that. Uh, not even God could sink the ship. I was reminded when I actually looked at that of something that my mum used to remind me of and, and uh, it's found in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, and it's simply the, the passage that says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. From this verse, it is easy to see the danger in uttering a statement of the magnitude that was uttered by the crew member of the Titanic. God was truly not mocked. He certainly wasn't. Because the supposedly unsinkable ship did, in fact, sink, and sadly, 1,500 people lost their lives, or went down with the ship, or they lost their lives in the cold, icy waters of the North Atlantic around 2.20am on April 15th, 1912. So what, let's go back to our text again. What does Luke say happened next after Jesus and the disciples launched forth? Let's look at verse 23. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. What are we to understand from this verse? It's simply this that Jesus fell asleep. Literally, he, fell asleep. he was asleep in the, in the boat and while he was asleep, a huge windstorm came upon the sea uh, right where they were and the ship was tossed to and fro. It literally filled the boat with water and to the point where the disciples believed that their lives were in jeopardy. So how did the disciples react? And we see that in the answer in, in verse 24. And they came to him and awoke him saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water and they ceased and there was a calm. You can almost imagine uh, the, the, the feeling in the disciples' minds. What, what do you think they were thinking at the time when those winds were powering over the boat and the waves were tossing over the boat? It would have been most likely difficult to even stand up in the ship, let alone actually control it for the wind. Yet they had no doubt, uh, they had, yet they would have no doubt thought to themselves, hang on a minute, We have the master Jesus in the ship with us. We have seen the great miracles he has done in healing the blind and making the lame to walk and healing the sick and the diseases. Perhaps he can help us here. And as they speak in verse 24, you can almost feel the fear in their voices. And with trembling in their voice, they would have gone to Jesus and they would have said, Jesus, please, please. Master, we perish. Can you picture the the actual scene? What was Jesus' response? It was one of compassion and grace for those that were with him. He first arose and demonstrated to them his divine power in that he simply spoke and the sea and the wind obeyed his command and was calm. Imagine the mind of the disciples when they would have observed this. What would have they been thinking in, the, in a moment, their fear of the elements around them, the wind and the waves, had been transformed into a reverential fear of the Master, Jesus, who was in the boat with them. What were Jesus' words to his disciples? In verse 25 we read, And he said unto them, Where is your faith? How did the disciples react when Jesus spoke to them? They, they were no doubt convicted to the very core of their being, that they re- and they reacted with sheer astonishment, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water, and they obey him. You see, even, Jesus, uh, you see, even though Jesus had been with the disciples for, the, for a time, they, they, it still hadn't quite clicked with them that he was literally God in the flesh, in there with them, the creator of the universe, who had control over all things. And we see this in their statement, What manner of man is this? They perceived him as a man who had been endowed by God with power, not as God himself come down to dwell amongst men, as we see in John chapter 1, verse 14, which says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory and the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So how are we to understand all this in the light of what we're talking about at the beginning, and how does the Titanic have any bearing on what we have just been looking at, at the experience of the disciples. First, we want to take a little bit of a look at the passage that Rod spoke about, that he actually read tonight. And uh, when we go to that passage, we see the main focus was was that uh, Jesus came to the disciples on the water, and, of course, the disciples saw him. They were first afraid, and then uh, Peter, it says, and when Peter, uh, sorry, uh, be of good cheer, Jesus says, I, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. Peter, of course, being the rambunctious person that he is, immediately got out of the boat and started walking on the water uh, toward Jesus. And, but when he saw the wind and the boisterousness of the waves, he was afraid and he began, and beginning to sink, he cried saying, Lord, save me. So that's the, the what, you know, what was Peter's problem there? It was that he took his eyes off Jesus and he started to sink. Without Christ there to take him by the hand and lead him to safety, he was also heading for disaster, was he not? There were other examples in the New Testament. There are other examples in the New Testament of what happens when we thumb our noses At God and and not heed his warnings like the example of Paul for example in the in the ship he was in which sank when the captain and the Roman officer did not listen to Paul's warnings remember the 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 time Paul was in the ship with them he told them what would happen to the ship the captain and the Roman centurion decided to go and and uh, set sail and of course we know the end result the wonderful thing of course is that not one person was lost on that ship but the ship definitely sank so how does all this relate to the points I stated at the beginning? And what can we learn from the sinking of the Titanic in relation to our lives? First of all, with the Titanic, there was an unwillingness to heed all warnings. God often brings us into situations throughout our lives to warn us of the dangers that lie ahead. He does this through his word and sometimes through people whom he chooses to warn us. We go back to Ezekiel chapter 33. The role of the trumpet, per, trumpeter at the, on the wall of the, of the cities was to warn the people of any immediate danger. And some people, God allows in our lives to warn us of dangers ahead. For our young people here, it would do us very, very uh, a great deal of good to think about the fact that sometimes, just sometimes, God brings people into your life. They might be a little bit older. Than you, but he sometimes brings them into your life to actually warn you of dangers that are ahead, dangers that we've experienced ourselves. And even your dad might say things at times, and you think, Oh, does dad really know what he's talking about? Trust me, he's probably been through it. So, yeah, he he would definitely know what he's talking about. So, it it would behoove us to literally heed the warnings rather than be unwilling to heed the warnings. Think about the parable of the rich man in Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 21. He basically was saying to himself, I'm going to build bigger barns, I'm going to make myself comfortable, I'm going to retire and I'm going to live the rest of my life in ease. What was God's actual words to him in verse 20? Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. And then whose shall these things be? which thou hast provided. Like the Titanic's radio operator, many people today fail to heed the warnings that God sends them of the dangers ahead and they continue on in life thinking that all will be okay. Remember what we talked about? The fact that you know, people say, oh, I'll be okay, God must accept me. I've been in church all my life. It's all good. The problem with this thinking is that like the passengers on the, and the crew of the Titanic, we have no control over when we're going to die. So would it not be best to heed God's warnings of the dangers that lie ahead for the person that is without Christ? If you are here tonight and you don't know Christ, consider this a warning. You don't know whether you're going to go out there and you're going to literally get in your car and have an accident on the way home. None of us know that. And so it's very important that we be prepared. Jesus himself said... I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. So I'll just bring up another slide. Slide, uh, in, in terms of the actual ship itself, it was uh, 650 miles from their destination. The captain, although, was a captain of long standing, Edward John Smith. He'd, this was actually his last voyage before he retired. And uh, he was uh, with the owners he had decided to literally steam the ship ahead uh, and he was only doing 0.5 of uh, knots under the maximum speed of the ship uh, as they were going through towards the actual uh, iceberg field. Rather than doing what he w- knew was probably right in slowing the ship down so that he could navigate through the icebergs, he just towered straight ahead and just kept on going. And it was to his peril and the peril of 1,500 other people. Like the captain of the Titanic, even though some of us may be older and consider ourselves wiser, this does not prevent us from going full steam ahead down the wrong path. We can all do that. God's word clearly says, Enter ye in the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in uh, thereat because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Many today, regardless of their age, find themselves going down the broad path because it makes them feel good. It makes them feel that they're in control and they're in control of their own destiny. Even when people may be at death's door uh, they want to utter the word, the proud words. Who's ever heard, Remember the, do you remember the song from Frank Sinatra? I did it my way. Also dangerous words. The problem with this thinking is there is only one way that is right, and it isn't my way. Twice in the book of Proverbs, once in 14 verse 12, and then again in chapter 16 verse 25, do we read, there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Jesus himself, as we know in John 14:6, said, I am the way. So the captain of the Titanic, as wise as he thought he was in his own eyes, chose to listen to his own pride. But where did that get him? Essentially, the third reason why the Titanic sank was because of the substandard structure. And foundation, it is believed that there was a number of faults in both the design and the materials used. Numerous ideas have been put forward, including poorly designed safety doors, brittle steel, and variable quality of rivets and the attached that attached the hull uh, plating together. While most riveted ships of the era managed to stay afloat following collisions, they wrought iron, the wrought iron rivets used in the Titanic had significant flaws. And the strength in the the structure uh, was uh, was actually impeded by that. The result of this was that when the Titanic left Southampton dock en route for New York in the cold icy waters of the North Atlantic, the ship's hull was uh, struck by the iceberg under the waterline, receiving a massive tear, and six of the forward hull compartments were literally flooded as you can see in the, uh, in the slide there. And, of course, that's what caused that dip into the water. And then eventually uh, we know what actually happened thereof. Uh, thereafter, the actual ship uh, literally split into two and the bulk the actual ship then sunk uh, in, and uh, 1,500 people were lost. So what I want to do is I want to ask you, what is your life structured like? What is, the fo- what is it founded on? Is it structured and founded with substandard materials of your own pride and self-righteousness, importance on what you have achieved or think you have achieved throughout your life? Now, some of us who are younger, you we haven't, we haven't probably achieved all that much. But we can still, even when we're young, we can still suffer from the problem of pride, thinking that we're better than other people. With what are you building your life even now? Are you building it, I ask the question, on Christ Jesus? And ask are you building it on the foundation that we talked about in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 12, where it talks about gold, silver, precious stones, the doctrines of Christ, the truth of God's word and the fruit of the Spirit? Can I just remind you, as we come to a close tonight, of the words that were on the sign... That Julie and I saw in New Orleans. The words that said, if God is not the captain of your ship, then you have just boarded the Titanic. I'd just like us to take a few moments right now, if we could, um, to think about this and If your answer to the question, who is in charge of your life, if your answer to that question is I or me, then you've just placed yourself in great danger. It's only when we humble ourselves and we bow our knee before God and when we acknowledge our sinful state before Him and repent of our sin and we ask Jesus Christ to be the the captain of our ship, that's our lives does he graciously come and place his hands on the helm of our life and steers us then on the course that he has set for us? So if you're here tonight and you know that you're on the Titanic, please, don't leave this place without seeing somebody who can show you how Jesus can be the captain of your ship.